most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined by Samantha Praviti. And today we're going to be talking all about running backs. We're going to go through um, ADP, kind of who's overvalued, who's undervalued. We'll do it each of the next four weeks. We'll go through wide receivers, tight ends, uh, and then quarterbacks leading up to the draft. We'll also touch on any type of... uh, news items that you need to know that you may have missed. So I will hop right into it. But Samantha, what's going on? I'm doing great, Chris. Happy in a way that things have been calming down a bit in terms of the news cycle, but uh, we still got some nuggets out there. Yeah, I mean, for once, like the NFL wasn't like the dominant news for for a little while because, you know, Chris Rock went and got slapped by Will Smith. So that kind of overtook, I feel like, whatever was happening in the NFL. but uh, just yesterday, or yeah, I think it was yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday and we got word that Bruce Arians is going to step down as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. So, um, it looks like Todd Bowles is going to take over for him. Arians is going to go to the front office. Um, and Samantha, I just wondered if you had any quick kind of fantasy takes on this from my perspective. I just thought, you know, we heard some whispers, right? Like that Brady may have not been happy with Arians and the offense. So the only thing I can really think of is that we might see more of that Brady New England offense and less of those, you know, kind of deep, deep, uh, deep focus offense that we saw the last couple of years. Yeah, it was certainly surprising, though. Arians has been dealing with health issues for the past couple of years. So um, and it was a cool sort of transition that he handed it off to Todd Bowles, who will get a second chance here. Um, he was 26 and 41 over his Five seasons that was three games with Miami and the rest of them with the Jets. Can't say that he was surrounded by too, too much talent. So it's really hard to say what we think he's going to really look like in terms of a coach, um, you know, with such an all star cast behind him. I mean, um, Tampa stacked on both sides of the ball. So I think it'll be interesting because, like, you could argue that it'll be a more defensive minded sort of coaching situation from him coming from that DC role. But uh, we've seen Brady thrive in a more defensive minded sort of coaching thing from Bill Belichick for years. So I don't think it'll change too, too much. I mean, maybe Brady gets a little bit more of an influence in this offense, as you mentioned. Um, Yeah. Those rumors about him going to Miami, maybe that kind of gets a little bit stymied at this point though. Yeah. I think it kind of reminds me of, like you said, Belichick and uh, you know, while Belichick was a little more hands-on with the offense, I think now it's like at this point, Brady can do that. Byron Leftwich is still there. So you know, he was kind of people thought maybe he's going to get a, a head coaching job or something like that. But he's still there. And I think that those two guys are going to kind of really be the offense this year. And it's, you know, I think Bowles is going to kind of stay out of the way. So I, at the end of the day, I think this is more desirable for Brady. And um, I did hear whispers that, you know, Brady, again, wasn't happy completely with Arians and his influence. And, you know, Arians was, would kind of shade Brady in the media 
I know you remember some of those, you know, every time he would throw a pick or, you know, just make a mistake, he would kind of get called out by Arian. So um, if anything, I think this is a positive for Brady. I mean, he didn't look washed up at all last year. So um, I think it's more of the same. I think it's great news for a guy like uh, Mike Evans, who should just be a complete monster this year with Godwood starting the year um, out most likely. And then uh, AB no longer there. So um, Brady Evans and, and Fournette, who we'll talk about. Uh, in a bit, I think it's good news for them. Let's move on to, uh, I'll just update you guys. We don't really need to talk about it since there's nothing much to say here, but uh, apparently Deshaun Watson is not out of the clear yet. Um, Adam Schefter reported um, the NFL could still discipline him. Um, no timetable on that discipline, but just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, as you're, if you're drafting this time of year, that Watson's not guaranteed to play uh, a full season or even partial a part of the season. So I'm still kind of up in the air, but um, moving on to this next one, Samantha, and I did want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Andy Dalton signed with the Saints. Taysom Hill is going to be moved to tight end officially. Uh, Dalton says he does not expect to challenge Winston for the starting role. Um, But nevertheless, we've seen Jameis Winston kind of play himself into getting benched. Do you think Dalton makes starts this year? For the Saints? I don't think so because I think the Jameis Winston that we saw in New Orleans was very different than the Jameis Winston that we were used to in Tampa Bay. So he did play much more, more conservatively, and we didn't see that turnover and interceptions trend like we had seen previously. Um, obviously, good news for fantasy managers that we don't really have to deal with like this whole Taysom Hill thing. But I mean, it, it does maybe signify that he could be on a bit of a short leash if, you know, Andy Dalton is a high quality backup, I think. So um, they could turn to him at some point. There's a lot of kind of moving pieces here with a lot of changes in uh, this whole front office and everything. So um, we shall see. Um, I actually, I want to see James Winston do well in this league. And I think that he would be probably more beneficial for the skill players on the team. So um, I'm rooting for him to play all 17 games. Yeah. I, you know, he's definitely an entertaining player. Although last year he became kind of the opposite of, the, of an entertaining player. He averages 167 passing yards per game. And I, that's why I think, I think Dalton makes at least one start. Like I would, I would put the over under at like one and a half, just because I think Winston, he was very good and very efficient in, in his role, but they also had to play kind of this very conservative, like we're going to pass for under 200 yards a game type of offense. And I think at some point during a year that can get old, especially if your defense has a couple of bad games and you end up losing like, or, or defense has average games and you end up losing games like 20 to 10 or, you know, 24 to, to three or something like that. It's like, well, if you just scored some points, maybe you, maybe you'd had a better chance. So I do think Dalton makes starts uh, this year, but I agree. I think Winston played a lot better than people uh, realized last year. And he cut down on his main issue. We just have to see if he can kind of do that now. Uh, in a higher volume pass offense, because I think with Michael Thomas back, you're not just going to want to throw the ball, you know, 25 to 30 times a game. Uh, another quick one, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Uh, they just keep kind of hiring these guns. Uh, they were one of the tougher running back matchups last year, right outside the top 10 in terms of most difficult. So uh, I think that'll continue. Uh, another piece of news, Ronald Jones goes to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and Samantha uh, what do you think this means for Clyde Edwards Elaire uh, out there in Kansas City? They never seem to give him that 
full featured workload. Yeah, definitely. And even, um, you know, looking at the full picture here, he did miss seven games last year due to injury. So he's never really had that full breakout that we were hoping for. I mean, he was obviously highly drafted um, and maybe didn't live up to the actual hype. I thought he would be like a post hype type sleeper last year and didn't really live up to it because of uh, limitations in his role and also the injuries. Jones is one year removed from an 1100 scrimmage yard season. Um, He finished his RB 16 and half PPR in 2020. So I think that he could definitely siphon away carries, especially if the Chiefs are worried about durability long-term for Clyde edwards there. Yeah, this is, this is very scary for CEH, uh, especially if you own him in something like Dynasty or, or something like that. Because I just think, you know, it's one thing to have like Darrell Williams and, and those guys, Derek Gore, um, Derek McKinnon, these kind of reclamation projects or re- more replacement level players. But Jones is a little bit of a step up from that. And um, he's a lot better in a situation that could really frustrate fantasy managers, which is inside the 10 yard line in his career. He's converted 41% of his 42 carries inside the 10 into touchdowns. Edwards aware is at just 27%. So um, that could be a massive difference. And also Edwards aware dropped off from year one to year two. In terms of his yards after contact, it went from 3.0 to 2.5. And his missed tackle percentage uh, went from 20% to 14% in terms of missed tackles forced. So, um, you know, so they, they do say that running backs' best years often their rookie years. And um, you mentioned the injuries, Samantha. So, uh, not, I think, stock down definitely uh, for Edwards Alaire. Uh, one more, uh, I think a little less impactful in terms of how things shake out, but no, somewhat notable. Nonetheless, uh, Boston Scott resigned with the Eagles. Uh, so this, you know, Miles Sanders, I don't know. What do you think, Samantha? I mean, Miles Sanders right now, he's got to be penciled in as the starter. He's going as the running back 35 uh, in underdogs ADP uh, for best ball leagues right now, going outside the top 100 overall. Um, what do you think of Sanders here uh, with the Scott signing Gainwell, obviously still there as well. Yeah, uh, Sanders was in a void for me last year, and he's kind of in that range right now. I mean, he did have maybe Jordan Howard last year, too. It was a pretty messy situation, especially with Gainwell, who I thought was going to be a little bit better. Um, He ended up kind of not playing a huge role, but uh, Sanders had zero touchdowns last year and just three games with more than eight fantasy points and half PPR. So, like I said, I think I'm probably putting him in that avoid range. Um, I think where he's going in that ADP, like, low, low end RB three is probably where I would maybe consider him, but like, I wouldn't feel good about really having him at this point. Um, like I said, I, I think this is not necessarily a huge impact on Sanders from year over year. Um, and it, things could certainly change um, if he really can stay healthy and take over this backfield. And there's also some question marks if Jalen hurts makes it through this whole season, which I think would impact sort of his role in that offense. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the touchdowns and and Miles Sanders broke our app. Um, so first of all, everyone go download the Action Network app. It's great. You can track all your bets, including your futures. So um, he broke our app because I had about maybe 20 to 30 NFL futures that I bet before the season. Um, and we, we usually wait till the year's over. So after the Super Bowl, they all get graded, you know, whether it's winning total or, you know, uh, player props for season long stats or whatever. And all of my props got graded. All my futures got graded, except one that's still sitting there. 
which is Miles Sanders under seven and a half touchdowns. And I think it's just because he had zero touchdowns. It like broke our app. They like it just we just weren't ready for Miles Sanders not even to score one touchdown. Um, and this has been an issue for him, um, you know, his entire career. He averages a touchdown every 48.7 touches uh, for his career. And we're talking about a sample size of nearly 600 touches. So uh, he's a very talented player, but I think the the franchise kind of views him as a more of a 1A leader of a committee backfield than a guy that you want to give a ton of touches to. His touches have dropped every year from 229 in year one to 192 in year two to 163 last year. Yeah, Miles Sanders probably getting drafted where he should be, even a little high. Um, I don't think the Scott signing impacts him too much, but not a not a sexy fantasy uh, choice in for 2022. But let's go right into some undervalued and overvalued running backs for this year. And Samantha, I'll start with you. Uh, give me uh, a running back who you think is undervalued. Yeah, I don't think he's too, too undervalued, but I'm going to start with David Montgomery, who is going at RB16, according to Underdog. Um, the Bears were definitely one of the weakest offensive teams last year. They averaged just 18.3 points per game, which ranked sixth worst in the NFL. Um, but weeks 13 to through 18, Montgomery was the RB3. He averaged 15 and a half fantasy points and half PPR. Um, in 13 games, he had five games with 18 or more fantasy points. So he had some pretty big explosions and I'm still a Justin Fields believer. I, I know I was out here making videos with you last year at this time, talking about how I believed in Justin Fields. I hope that he makes this kind of year two leap. And I think that that'll really increase, um, David Montgomery's upside, but, you know, I think that he certainly has RB one upside, um, if he can stay healthy and kind of, if this offense can get a little better than where it was last year. Yeah, even last year in what seemed like somewhat of a quiet year, he was still RB14 in, in points per game. So not far off from RB1 status. And, um, you know, he's still going even below what, what that was. And I think he could only improve um, this year. I know Khalil Herbert was, was drafted, but it's a new regime um, now in Chicago. So I don't think the Herbert, you know, that, that kind of him sitting behind him on the depth chart really means too much. Uh, we'll get to some more uh, from you. I'll, I'll throw one in here uh, in the meantime. And that's Leonard Fournette. Uh, RB25, way too low for Fournette. We just mentioned that Ronald Jones is no longer in Tampa Bay. That was uh, Fournette's kind of main competition for uh, work most of these uh, last couple of years. And then you do have Keyshawn Vaughn there, but uh, Fournette's just been so good. I mean, he essentially got back to that uh, kind of place that we thought he initially was when he was with the Jaguars, when he was just one of those running backs that kind of compared to Zeke a little bit. Like, okay, this is the guy that was drafted highly that is expected to kind of come in here and just carry the load. Um, he never really got it together in Jacksonville, but he was the RB7 in uh, half PPR points per game uh, last year. And you know now he's got even less competition, I think, with, with just Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, dispel him so love for net uh you know as you know a guy you can get outside the top 24 right now that should finish as a top 10 running back with with brady back and you know everyone's the adp is kind of still adjusting to that with um with, with brady unretiring um but uh, i think you got to capitalize on that where you can I totally agree. He's definitely a guy that i was shocked to see outside the top 24 i mean i i definitely think he has uh, a very strong chance of finishing as a top 12 running back, um, especially with 
sort of fewer mouths to feed all around. You mentioned Antonio Brown and you mentioned uh, Ronald Jones and possibly starting the season without Chris Godwin. So um, I really like this one. And I, I just really like seeing that he's um, kind of picked up that trash in, in the playoffs and really uh, a couple of years ago and really held on to that sort of momentum throughout the year last year. Uh, remind me a little of Aaron Jones before AJ Dillon became like a huge factor, you know, like just like a guy in a, with a really good quarterback and a good offense that, you know, is a little bit underrated here. So, uh, love for net who you got next. Who's undervalued. Who else is undervalued? Yeah. So the next guy I have is Devin Singletary at RB 24. So he definitely had a lackluster start to the year because he had that kind of odd committee going on with Zach Moss, um, weeks one through 13, he was RB 39, but then was the RB two in the final five games down the stretch behind only Rashad Penny. He had six touchdowns over those five games. Um, I'm, Zach Moss is still on the roster, but he's like a bum at this point. <laughs> I think it was very clear that Singletary, <laughs> that was his job. Um, and they did sign Duke Johnson. Um, I mean, I could see Johnson taking over some of the passing downs work as he has in previous roles, but he's not a guy that I'm really going to be super concerned about. So if you're getting Singletary at RB24, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I got an idea for like Zach Moss. He, you know, we should get like a like a little NFL viewing room every Sunday, and Zach Moss and Trey Sermon could just like go there and watch games since they'll probably be scratches on game day anyway. You know, there's no point in them dressing up and coming to their the sideline. Like, Kenny Gainwell there too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh man, that was what a nightmare last year. Um, so yeah, some of the you know rookies running backs tend to be um, profitable, but you know as we kind of talked about, you know between Thurman and Gainwell. And I know Moss was in, what was it, year two, but um, they don't always pan out. Uh, but yeah, Singletary, I, I like it. I think that he's a guy that they kind of figured out that that's how their offense works best with him carrying the load. And it's weird because that they figured that out, I feel like his first year too, like down the stretch, they had Frank Gore, I believe it was. And they just stopped using him and gave Singletary the work and their offense improved then too. So I don't I don't know why they keep going away from him. Um, seems like uh, maybe they'll figure it out this time around. Dable obviously no longer there. So um, there is a little bit of uncertainty, but that's why you're buying low. Uh, another guy I like is, and I'll just group these two together since they played on the same team last year. Uh, James Conner, RB29, and then Chase Edmonds, RB39 in, in ADP at underdog right now. Uh, Conner I love because Edmonds is in Miami. So Connor was a top five running back in weeks 10 to 14 without Edmonds. He was also the running back five on the season, even though Edmonds played 12 games. And then Connor got a three-year, $21 million contract, 13 and a half million guaranteed. So that's no slouch of a running back contract. The Cardinals clearly drew their line in the sand between, you know, who they preferred and who they wanted to give the bigger workload by giving one, you know, over 13 mil guaranteed and uh, letting the other one go. So. Love Connor in Arizona. It's still a still a strong offense, still an up tempo offense, and this guy's just a touchdown machine. And then Edmonds at RB thirty nine. I think you know we talked a little earlier about Edmonds. I said you know if, if he's kind of being drafted outside that you know starting range, I think there is some value there. Whether it's flex, whether it's low end RB two, because I fully expect him to kind of take that lead role in the Miami backfield, at least in terms of touches. He averaged 5.67 yards per touch over the last three seasons. That is sixth of 54 running backs with a minimum of 300 touches. So he's been one of the most effective backs in the league. Uh, And he averaged a career high 13.3 touches per game last year, which kind of went under the radar because Connor 
um, was having such a good season and generally stole the touchdowns. But this is a new team. It's, it, you know, here with the, with a new coach and just kind of everything's new all around. So we can't just look at the roster and say, okay, you know, Edmund's definitely not going to get touchdowns. Um, Raheem Mostert, just another guy on that roster, hasn't really ever stayed healthy. Obviously, you know, all the other holdovers who may be back, um, Gaskin and, and whatnot, they're, they're not really enamored with them, which is why they went out and signed two more backs from, you know, McDaniel's last head coaching stop. So uh, I think both Connor and Edmonds uh, have a lot of value that early drafters still aren't quite uh, realizing yet. Yeah, totally. I mean, on the Cardinals depth chart after Connor, it is, you know, Benjamin, Jonathan Ward and Jalen Samuels. Not even sure that all three of those guys will make the roster. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly not a lot of competition. And he had that ridiculous year in terms of touchdowns. So they clearly like to use him um, on the goal line and in those situations, which are going to be really advantageous for fantasy managers. So I really like that one. Edmonds, we talked about sort of um, previously, I think on the last episode where we were just kind of talking about that backfield being crowded. Now, yeah, that certainly limits his upside, but at RB39, you're getting pretty good value for that guy who um, is certainly very talented. All right. The final one that I have here is Daryl Henderson at RB44. So he was RB21 and a half PPR on a per game basis last year. Um, obviously, that was without Cam Meagers, who was injured during the preseason. Um, that was a really serious injury, though. And yes, like he benefits, quote unquote, from being injured early. But that said, I it's it's a major injury. It's an Achilles injury that could certainly hurt his like burst and speed as a running back. Um, we also don't just really know to expect. I feel like he could just come out of the gate sort of slow. So, I mean, there are kind of question marks there. And Henderson is talented. So I think at RB44, like you're not starting him, but he's a guy that you could keep on your bench, especially if Akers can't stay healthy throughout the season. Yeah, like what is your read on, on Akers health? Because I think this kind of, I mean, given the fact that you do like Henderson as a value, I'm guessing that you are somewhat concerned about Akers health because, um, uh, you know, we talked about it all, you know, leading up to the Super Bowl that this guy, Cam Akers, he had like that one highlight when, on the trick play with Odell. But I mean, he struggled tremendously. He had 72 carries, including the postseason, 72 carries for 175 yards and, and no rushing touchdowns. That's 2.29 yards per carry. So, I mean, that's low. And like, that's what is that? That's Kaylin Balaj, uh from a couple of years ago, kind of futility. Um, so is that something that's kind of concerning you here that he doesn't make that full recovery to year one where he had the 4.8? Uh, yards per carry. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a certainly a little concerned. I think that it's, it's really hard not being a physician, not being able to rank injury severity, of course, but like I would worry about his type of injury long term, maybe more than an ACL. I, not that I think that I mean, an ACL is that great, especially for a long term type running back situation when they're, they are just inherently more prone to sort of those types of injuries. So, um, I, yeah, I would say that I'm even more concerned about him than I would say like a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who I know we're going to talk about later. Yeah, and that there's kind of a theme here because I think in early ADP, um, you're seeing some injured guys being kind of overdrafted and the other guy who would benefit kind of being underdrafted. In some situations, you're feeling the reverse. So generally, I just look toward the lower drafted guy. So sometimes you're going to get value one way, sometimes you're going to get it the other way, but that goes right into a guy like James Robinson, who did have a very similar injury to Akers, except he's going at RB42. So you can get Robinson in that Henderson range 
Um, and I, listen, I think the with, with Travis Etienne, who's going as the RB19, he's coming back from an injury too. So it's a huge disparity here. There's a new regime. Uh, Etienne was drafted in the first round by the old regime. So, you know, that's clearly kind of a, a square move. Not to, Etienne is a great player, but it's still a square move. Um, we also know that like the franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, vouched for James Robinson, said, you know, he's essentially our best player on offense. So, you know, going forward, the main thing is build around Lawrence and what he needs to be uh, around him to be successful. So uh, I think that Etienne is going to ultimately slot in as a, a pass catching guy, kind of like a Naeem Hines. Um, but James Robinson still has like the outside shot of being like the Jonathan Taylor of this offense. Now, he is going to probably be out a little longer than Etienne, which could explain the, the price. But um, everyone kind of talks about year one with Robinson and Year two, he improved his yards per carry, four or five to four seven. His yards after contact from 3.18 to 3.29. His yards per uh, reception went up from seven to 7.2. Uh, and his yards per touch went up from four five to five one. So the only thing that really decreased was his touches from over 20 to get a game to under 14 a game. So um, while I do worry a little bit about the efficiency, I just think at RB42, like that's where I want to take this kind of chance on a guy like this, uh, as opposed to a Cam Akers who did not look great, but is going at RB19 right now. So Robinson is a guy that I'll be watching and especially just monitoring to see how he's kind of recovering uh, from his injury. But I, I just think there's way too big of a disparity between him and Etienne, given that both are coming back off injuries and Robinson still would project for more touches, even if they were kind of splitting it up. You know, I'm just convinced that these guys with these plain generic names like James Robinson and Tim <laughs> Patrick are habitually disrespected in ADP. So that's my take on the situation. Oh, man, that might be my brand. Just like just like regular named guys, you know, common named guys, because I love Tim Patrick. Like, I, you guys thought I was joking when I brought up Patrick when uh, the Broncos signed Russell Wilson. But I, I, I legitimately think that Tim Patrick could easily be like not the third wide receiver. Like he could be one of the top two in Denver uh, if things break right, because I think he's, he's shown that he's just as talented as the other guys. He just doesn't have the same pedigree. I totally Uh, agree. And the other two guys have speckled injury histories at best. So I I totally buy into that. And they've had like some really bad portions of seasons. Like even if, you know, like, like Judy had that miserable rookie year where he like him and Drew Locke were never on the same page and he had really bad stats and Cortland Sutton had that really, really bad, uh, year last year where it was just like he became like a punchline. So Tim Patrick has always been kind of consistent, but we we are we digress. We got to get into some overvalued running backs. Uh, Samantha, uh, there's quite a few, I think, early on that seem a little overvalued. Who you got? Yeah, I have a number of guys here. I'm going to start with Christian McCaffrey, who's going to be probably one of the most polarizing players of this offseason. Uh, he's just a high risk type guy at this point, you know, last season we went into this and I was, I was very bullish on Chris McCaffrey. I'll take that L because I looked at the menagerie of his injuries and thought like, well, they didn't seem like it didn't make it seem like he was an injury prone type guy. It just also seemed like the Panthers were not competitive and he probably could have come back if he were on like the chiefs at the time. But, um, but there's like no point in putting him out there if he's kind of banged up. Um, But at this point now he has played 10 games in the last two years. um, And the Panthers just have a number of struggles. We've got question marks at best at quarterback Um, right now. We're rolling into the season with Sam Darnold. So that's not the most ideal situation. So that, that certainly throws like uncertainty and 
um, devalues him, I think. And uh, the Panthers also had the second worst offensive line, according to PFF last year. So uh, there's a lot of pieces that they need to fix right now. They are not close. I think they're like plus 10,000 to win the division this year. Uh, So as much as it hurts me as a Panthers fan, uh, yeah, I do think he's overvalued at RP2. I would feel more comfortable taking him at like RB5. Oh, it took a little over 20 minutes, but you gave us uh, you gave us some an impressive word there with menagerie. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for I was waiting for it. But uh, yeah, you know, with McCaffrey, it's it's tough because it's it's like when he's healthy, he's been that guy. But lately, it's like all that stuff we saw in his first couple of seasons about the durability and everything that's kind of coming back to, to haunt him a little bit because now he hasn't managed to stay healthy. And now you look and say, okay, well, do they? start to maybe decrease his workload a little bit. I think we saw that uh, at times when he came back last year, when, you know, Chuba Hubbard was mixing in a little bit more than maybe um, he had been previously or anyone really had been previously uh, alongside McCaffrey. So, you know, he's still proven that he can be a top 10 back is in more of like a receiving, not full, um, you know, full every down back role, but um, at RB two, you kind of want the max upside here. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a little early to be going, you know, McCaffrey at two. Um, but, you know, we kind of have to also admire the camp and see, you know, what, how are they using him? How do they plan to use him? Because um, as of right now, I think there's too many question marks. Uh, for, for my first undervalued guy, I'll go J.K. Dobbins. I uh, mentioned him earlier. Um, he's RB17 right now in underdog ADP. And I, that's just egregious. First of all, we know the Ravens and what they do. They're going to have a committee backfield. So um, Dobbins's career high touches in a game is 17. His career high carries in a game is 15. Now he's coming off a serious injury. Does that necessarily increase just because he's, you know, now out of his rookie year and now he's really going into year three, but it's really year two. Um, I don't know because he's coming off a serious injury. Him and Gus Edwards are both coming off serious injuries. Uh, both reportedly could start camp on the PUP list. So I think Edwards is the guy who you, you can get, you know, outside the top 100 in terms of overall ADP. Um, I, it's just another one where it's like you have two backs coming off injury, just like ATN and Robinson. And there's such a disparity between their ADPs here. So, um, I, you know, obviously the Ravens will be a run-friendly offense. Dobbins is a very talented back was never a great receiver and most people are playing at least half PPR by now. So that's another thing um, to keep in mind. Um, and uh, we just have no idea if he's going to be able to play a full season. He's going to be back to full strength. And again, these things don't matter as much when you're drafting a guy at RB 40, these things matter a lot when you're drafting a, a guy inside the top 20 or top 24, because then he's uh, essentially you're expecting him to be a, your starter. And remember you're the running back. You draft first, is likely to miss two to three games on average. So there's going to be times where Dobbins needs to be your RB1 in your lineup. And I just can't get behind it uh, being drafted here at RB17. Yeah, I totally agree here. My issue with this is that Dobbins last year going into the season, like before the injury and everything, uh, we didn't have the injury history. We just had sort of this like weird committee in his first season. Um, But we, a lot of us were convinced that he was going to be the top dog in that committee, but still with that, he was being drafted probably in like the RB 20, RB 22 range ish going into the season. And like, now we're drafting him higher 
with the injury. Um, and I think that, you know, both guys, there's a good chance, like, like you said, that they could start on the pop list, um, that even if they're healthy for week one, they start kind of slow. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't feel comfortable taking Dobbins nearly that early. Um, Edwards. Yeah. Maybe at like RB 45, which is where he is right now. I would feel a little more comfortable with. Yeah, I think you're on to something with this names thing. Because J.K. Dobbins is a pretty cool name. And it's like, what's really separating him from James Robinson at this point? You know, like, right. both Travis of them could be like. Again, really cool name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think we've, I think we've cracked the fantasy <laughs> market. Like, this is, now we know exactly how to draft. Like, forget all these projections and, like, comparing it to ADP and this and that. It's like, literally, just look at guys' names uh, and, and, and you know, fade the guys with the cool names and, and draft the guys with the generic that we figured absolutely out. we'll make a score of that or something <laughs> like that um so the next guy that i'm going to say that is overvalued in my opinion is going to be Javante williams um obviously fantasy world wants Javante to be that rb1 and we've definitely seen flickers of him being able to be that rock star his stock is up with russell wilson there but i think the hype might be too much he certainly had a lackluster final three games of the season averaged just 39 scrimmage yards per game in that span, while Gordon had 63 scrimmage yards per game in that span. So I think this is really difficult to justify if Melvin Gordon stays. And those talks are still going on. Um, it seems like the front office wants to broker a deal with him. So, I mean, if Gordon's back, I know he's certainly older, but that'll certainly make things um, messier for him. So at this point, with Gordon's sort of future up in the air, RB7 feels too rich for Javante. Yeah. Um the Denver Post does report that the Broncos uh, are open to bringing Gordon back. I think, you know, Gordon is kind of correctly probably waiting this out on the market. You know, like we saw with the Ravens last year, teams can lose uh, a starter and even a backup pretty quick. And so, I mean, there could be a chance that Gordon finds a place to start if he kind of hangs on and hangs out for a while and doesn't sign right away. So this might not be resolved anytime soon. Um, I, I think, you know, just looking at Denver and what they've done in the past, they've been a two-back system, but this is a, a new regime. So that's another thing. Uh, but, you know, Hackett's coming over from Green Bay where they spent a day two pick on A.J. Dillon. And then, you know, they had Jamal Williams um, that first year too. So he's coming from a system where they've always kind of had a 1A and 1B uh, in, in that system. So that is, it's another thing like Christian McCaffrey. It's like the talent is there, but do we know his workload is getting maximized to be drafting him with a premium first round pick. I, I just don't know uh, for Javante at, at RB seven. So I agree with you. The last guy I'll talk about and I don't have to spend long on him because I already kind of mentioned him uh, with Robinson is Travis Etienne. He's going as the RB 19 and this just makes no sense. He was drafted by the old regime. He's being treated like a starter when he's more likely to slot into a passing down role. This was, you know, in interviews with new Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson, that's what he kind of said. He said, ETN, you know, he's a guy that can give us a lot in the passing game and something we really haven't had in Jacksonville um, for a while now. So uh, could ETN maybe have a couple games if Robinson isn't back by week one where he's the full on starter? Yes. But I, I just can't imagine that he's going to be like this featured back or this top 20 running back in terms of value. I think he's a guy that ideally you'd be drafting him like outside the top 30. And then if he gives you RB 19 value, you're very happy, but now you're drafting him at RB 19. Uh, I just don't see a lot of ceiling there for him to beat that ADP 
uh, in a, you know, significantly to give you a real edge on your league mates at, at this ADP. Yeah, I totally agree. He is definitely a guy that I feel like is a going at his ceiling. Another guy that I feel like is going kind of near his ceiling is Saquon Barkley at RB12. He's going a spot ahead of Antonio Gibson and one spot behind Nick Chubb, which to me is... Oh, that's <laughs> rich- yeah, that's, that's, that's absurd. Yeah, um, and this is only a few spots lower than his ADP was last year. Um, he finished as a top 12 running back in half PPR just three times all year, and that was 13 games played. So yeah, he missed some games due to injury. The Giants had the third worst offensive line um, according to PFF, they ranked second worst in points per game, um, sixth worst in time of possession. So this, like I said, just feels more like a ceiling than and does not feel safe at this point. I just feel like you are drafting him based on his name. I don't like why do we keep going through this every year with people just like rushing to draft Saquon Barkley? Because it's like on one hand, yes, his rookie year, he was great. Everybody knows that. But it's like we're now like what is it three straight years of people being burned by Saquon Barkley in, in drafts? Like, why are we, who are these people that are still so excited to run out and draft him that he keeps going like round a round or two or more higher than he should be. Like, I, I just, a lot of giants <laughs> fans out there, I guess. I'm a giants fan. And I was like the, one of the number one people saying Saquon is being overdrafted. Like I was saying that like, Hey, this guy can give you so many bad games. I mean, he's had games where he's run, he's had more carries and yards. Like I don't, you know, and a lot of that is the offensive line. Dable did say he's going to use him more in the receiving game. Dable also had Devin Singletary who, like we mentioned was kind of up and down in that offense. And his, his role never really remained consistent for a full season. So I still think there's a lot of red flags. I think there's uh, a lot of explosiveness uh, from Saquon that we saw in year one, that going into year five, he just doesn't have anymore. Um, and he's missed 39% of his games over the past three years after uh, 352 touches as a rookie. So there's a very good chance that he's just not the same guy anymore. You know, as, as tough as it is to say, he's still only 25. because we age 25 season. You know, he's born into BX, just like me. I love him. I just can't, can't get behind him at this ADP. Um, you know, speaking of kind of Barkley's rookie year, there are some rookies this year that are popping up pretty high in ADP. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, some, just some of those names that are popping up in the top 35. Um, and I, I think you think those guys are all a bit overvalued at, at this early juncture. Yeah, it it just feels a little early. Um, I, I thought I kind of put those on that list because I saw a theme that Brees Hall at RB22, Walker at rb 30 and Isaiah Spiller at RB34 just all seems a little rich given that we really don't have a lot of, I mean, we don't, we don't know where they're landing. And even then, like there's not a ton of landing spots that I think are going to yield things like Najee Harris type numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they end up in a committee or something like that, there is a chance that and one of them ends up sort of taking over, but it, it, there's a lot of question marks and we, we could all end up seeing <laughs> Brees Hall end up being like Trey Sermon or something like that. So there's, there's inherently more question marks with these rookie type guys. Um, Isaiah Spiller especially is someone that um, I would not really want on my roster at RB 34. He is someone that uh, did not strike me as overly athletic based on his combine and pro day numbers. So um, overall, I just think that this is maybe more of a little bit of key hype slash recency bias that is inflating these guys' numbers. Um, and I, I just think overall, this running back class is a little weaker than we've seen in past years. Yeah, so there's kind of two, two ways to look at this. Because on one hand, I, I think 
running backs that are rookies have always been profitable in fantasy to kind of load up on, especially for people that like to go against the grain in higher stakes leagues. Um, you know, the zero running back strategy, rookies fit very well into that. Um, but on the other hand, like you said, you also have to look at the potential landing spots um, for these guys. And there aren't a ton. Um, I think I actually think Brees Hall is fairly valued because I, I just you look at him like Javante Williams last year was the RB 16. Uh, I think even if Hall lands in a committee, I just think he's so good that he's like he could be a top five running back, but he could also be like the RB 40. So I think RB 22 is fair for him. Whereas I think those other guys now, now going down the list a little more now, the uncertainty um, becomes a lot to be drafting them as top 30, top 36 backs um, right away. I would prefer to get them as RB fours or draft them as RB fours, which means, you know, 37th or later. So, and that could still happen for Walker or Spiller in some drafts. Um, but I don't, I mean, I could just have a bias here, but I just think Hall is so good that he like the most RB needy team is probably going to overdraft him so they can use him like Najee and like worst case scenario, maybe he's like in that Javante um, mix with like another, uh, committee with another veteran, but I think he's he would still end up being better than that that player by the end of the year. So I yeah. like Hall, don't like Walker and Spiller as much. Yeah, I think it's realistic that he ends up kind of in that Javante type role. Najee Harris feels like such an anomaly to me, um, just because of sort of his landing spot and how bad the the Steelers were in that workload that they ended up giving him. So yeah, to your point, when I was drafting last year, I ended up with a bunch of guys like Michael Carter and, and Trey Sermon. So whatever mixed bag there but uh uh sort of in that like round 10 round nine sort of range so that's where i feel comfortable sort of loading up on those rookies this just feels a little too early for me yeah and you got to really be selective like you know for me it's hard just because i like the talent but at the end of the day there's also going to be a guy like elijah mitchell right who you know there's usually one of those guys who (laughs) yeah yeah right like those guys that you don't you can get much later they don't necessarily have the draft pedigree um, but they explode too. So it is smart to kind of load up on rookies, but that doesn't mean you load up on all the top rookies. That just means you kind of sprinkle them in throughout your draft. So, um, you know, these top three, I, I see where you're going, Samantha. It's like these top three are kind of being you know, kind of the shiny new toys and they're the ones getting a little o- overvalued. Whereas you kind of go down that list a little more, um, you might find some even more value. So yeah, uh, definitely see your point on those guys. And uh, that is going to wrap it up for the Fantasy Flex podcast running back stock edition. Um, As we go through March and early April leading up to the draft, we'll do wide receivers next week. We'll keep dropping these every week uh, leading up to the draft. Get you caught up on news, all that good stuff. Uh, You can follow Samantha on Twitter at Samantha NFL. You can follow me at Chris Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our fantasy and betting content and fantasylabs.com for all of our DFS content tools and models. And as I mentioned, be sure to download that Action Network app uh, if you like to bet on futures or or games or whatever. You can track all your stuff. You can see our bets uh, and all that good stuff. And uh, if you like the show, give us a five-star on Apple or Spotify. Until next time, let's get this money.